0: I'm Kim Grinnolds of Dogman.com, and we are here today with Chris Cartman from Sun Devil Source and one o'clock kickoff at Arizona State down in Tempe. Temperatures expected to be high 80s, low 90s. And Chris, what's going on with the one o'clock kickoff in Tempe? We don't have those in Tempe.
1: No, I love it. It's maybe once every two years, it seems like at this point. Uh, normally we're, we're used to wrapping up our work in the press box at like 2 a.m. or later, you know how that, how it goes with that kind of stuff, Kim, but seven hours it,
0: after kickoff, usually seven hours, yeah, <laughs>
1: that's exactly right. So, um, no, this time I'm around, we're going to be able to get out of there and maybe go watch the, the, the late games, um, sitting, enjoying a nice cold one somewhere. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: You cover the team every week. Tempe, do you ever wander down to mill street or is that off limits?
1: Uh, sometimes I want to go during halftime, Kim, let's be honest. Um, no, um, really, I don't. Uh, I just, I haven't, Mill is such a young crowd and I hate to say it, but I'm not so young anymore, you know? So um, uh, I have gone to like Scottsdale after, after a um, a day game. I've gone, gone out on Scottsdale, um, but that's, uh, but not pretty, pretty few and far between. Normally I, I save that for the off season.
0: Give people an idea where to go after the game if they're going to hit Mill Avenue, Mill Street. Just where are they going to go? Give them a place to go.
1: Well, so here's the thing: Mill Avenue has changed so much because of the pandemic that uh, a lot of the bars that, that that people used to go to are just they're not that active anymore. It's or they're not even there at all anymore. So you know, I, I feel like I feel like the, the for like Washington fans. They they want to go and maybe check out some of the the old haunts that they've been to in the in the past and they're just not there. So what the the younger crowd they have they hang out at a place called Casa, which is on like I think Sixth Street and, and Mill. Uh, there's a noche cantina which which I've heard is kind of nice. Handle the bar I've been to, which is good. You, basically, what I would suggest is you want to go right down uh, from the stadium to Seventh Street. It's basically. Um, from there, you can then walk between 5th and 7th Street, and there's going to be going to be good options on both sides of the street, and you're not going to really miss anything. You can kind of pick and choose from there.
0: How chaotic has it been just the last few years? A lot of us are surprised it took this long to uh, have uh, Herm Edwards dismissed. It just seems like you've been in limbo for a while with all the assistant coaches being fired. And, you know, it's just how has it been up until that point? Because I know it, it couldn't have been fun
1: no it's been a difficult time uh the last i would say six 15 16 months since news of the ncaa investigation broke um it's been uh just a, just almost like a, a non-stop stream of like bad news that has impacted the program uh they've had um you know the five coaches that were that left uh, either being resigned or two were fired. Uh, they have not had a four-star commitment since July of last year. Uh, so it, it's been like this almost um, inevitable march. I think toward the just basically herm no longer being in charge, and I think at this point people they're just looking forward to what's going to happen with the transition because it's the one in four start is the worst by ASU since 1976. They've had really bad uh, uh, games in there, but also against some high quality opponents, losing to three ranked teams. It, the schedule has been pretty brutal. We knew that it would be from the outset, but it just comes at a really bad time for ASU.
0: Will the athletic director Ray Anderson be the one that makes the decision on the next coach?
1: Uh, no, uh, well, not not. By himself, certainly, he's going to be involved in the conversation. He sort of was coy about uh, his answer to how they would be able to – what they would exactly do with the, the, the people responsible for the hiring. He wouldn't say that was two weeks ago. It was basically like, I'm going to be involved. But um, he wouldn't say that he would be making the pick. And I've heard that he's not going to be the person ultimately – who uh, has the, the final say in the matter. I think they're gonna have, well, first they're gonna have a, a um, they're gonna hire a search firm to basically narrow down their candidates. And then they're gonna have basically a, a group of people that are uh, comprised of, uh, you know, f- former, you know, people in the community who are really important and former players and others that all, I think also kind of weigh in on uh, with some perspective. and. They're going to try to keep it close to the vest, but I think by the time you get to that point, it may be hard to do that. They're not not there yet, though.
0: Is it time to quit screwing around and being labeled as the sleeping giant and just hire the right damn coach down there and make Arizona State the powerhouse that everybody thinks it should be?
1: It's so funny that you say that because really the problem at ASU, at least in my opinion, has been Michael Crow, the school president, and sort of his disinterest in football and or athletics in general coupled with the uh, attempts to sort of hire somebody that has a major name ID. So between Dennis Erickson and Herb Edwards, it's like you get somebody who everybody knows, but they're at the, the, the very end of their career and they don't have the same sort of passion, intensity, uh, ambition, or the connection to the younger people. And so then as a result of that, they're just like missing they're just like missing out on everything that you need to be able to connect to to young people and the ever-changing landscape of college athletics and so i you can't really do it on the cheap They've, they tried that you can't really do it with some guy who's no longer um you know in the fold uh, like in the mix as far as like understanding what they need to do to be able to be successful uh I, crow has given some indication that he may be undergoing sort of a, a, a change in mindset but to me the proof is going to be in the pudding
0: yeah michael crow is one of big larry scott's bigger biggest supporters so there you go <laughs> but uh, yeah if uh exactly. two or three give me two or three names that you would love to see at arizona state that are really intriguing to you
1: yeah well first of all um I don't know if he would take the job or whatever, but Jonathan Smith would be probably one of my first guys that I would go to. I think he's, I think he's a tremendous coach. He's obviously from Southern California, Oregon state. It seems like they're capped at some sort of a ceiling. Um, so if if they can't get him, I, I personally think even though maybe recruiting is a question mark that Paul Christ would be a fantastic hire. He understands how to recruit the scheme there's a lot of things that he brings to the table that I think are pretty, that, that are pretty impressive. Like ASU hasn't had anyone that's been as successful in the, in the win-loss column as he has. Um, so, uh, you know, after that, I think you get down to, like, who are some of the top coordinators that would make a lot of sense. And then that's, like, maybe an Alex Grinch, um, you know, a lot of people. Um, want Kenny Dillingham because he, he he was a GA at ASU. He graduated from ASU. Um, I, he's only been a coordinator calling plays one year, but he's been at you know Florida State and Oregon and Memphis before that, and so he has a lot of sort of you know uh, understanding of what things are, are are like on the ground now. And he's very young, thirty two or thirty three years old.
0: And I'm hearing Brian Harson would be a really good fit down there because he's not a fit at Auburn, but he's a good football coach.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I think we're going to have to see how he's viewed by the administration, given kind of what's going on in Auburn right now, but, um, and, and they had the Dirk cutter, you know, experience where they hired somebody who had been a Boise head coach didn't work out. They had Zach Hill as offensive coordinator. Didn't really work out. Also somebody who was from Boise. So maybe there could be some hesitation to Harrison, but I, I pretty clearly he's, a, he's a very good football coach.
0: Tell me about that offense. Give me a scouting report for Husky fans sitting up in the stands and they're taking a look at this offense. You've obviously got a really good quarterback and the Washington coaches are saying Arizona State is the best one in four team in the country. But uh, give me a scouting report on that offense. What's it look like?
1: So Glenn Thomas is the coordinator in his first year. He was at UNLV. It's sort of like a pro style meets more of a more of a modern spread. Emory Jones is the quarterback. He was at Florida last year where he had the most interceptions in the SEC. Um, I, I, I feel like they finally started to get some good flow to what they were trying to do in the first half against USC. They had three scoring drives and were reasonably successful. It uh, they, they petered out in the second half. Not nearly enough sort of quick game, RPO, get the ball in their playmakers' hands in earlier games this season. Uh, they have a, a, a pretty good run game. Xavion Valaday, transferred from Wyoming, is the leading FBS uh, rusher active right now. And uh, Daniel Ngata behind him is a good player. Uh, their top receiver is Elijah Badger, who's a great athlete, who's really uh, emerging this year and has a chance to be one of the best in the Pac-12, maybe, before he's done. Um, so they have they have – decent balance when things are going well, but when things aren't going well, they tend to either get bottled up with their run game or, or their, or their pass game.
0: Emory Jones is completing about 63, 62, 63% of his passes. And when you take a look at the stats, he's got four touchdowns, but three interceptions. Um, my gut says he can run a little hot, run a little cold.
1: Yeah, he does for sure. Um, I think so much of it is, is him being put in the right situations Uh, He's not somebody that needs to be super confined to the pocket. And uh, even though he's decent at kind of going through progressions and and whatnot, he's not an extraordinarily accurate passer. Um, And he's not somebody who's going to just like lead you on really extended drives consistently where it all has to be done on him in the pocket. So got to kind of get him on the move, give him some options. Um, And then also, I think when you're able to get the ball out of his hand, more quickly, you with some run replacements. Then you have a chance to be able to get into more manageable third down situations, which w- when they've been operating better, that's been a, a common theme. And when they have not and they've struggled, it's because normally first and second down, they're not getting enough yards, especially with uh, some of their passing attack.
0: Tell me about that offensive line. It's, Arizona State's just been notorious for having some big guys up front and uh, a lot of quality up front. How's the offensive line this year?
1: Yeah, so Ladarius Henderson at left guard is their best player. He's really good all-league candidate, uh, third-year starter. Ben Scott moved from right tackle to center and is, a, is emerging as a starter there. Uh, he had a very good game against USC. I think it was his best effort. Um, at right guard is Chris Martinez, a San Diego State transfer. He's solid, but it has struggled a little bit with um, some stunts. Uh, ASU probably won't have Des Holmes, the starting right tackle, who's a Penn State transfer. Um, and what they'll do, because he's out with a, uh, a leg injury, it looks like they'll probably move their, uh, their number two uh, left tackle uh, um, from, who's a, a Division II transfer from Northern State, Edmund Foley, to right tackle. And So their tackles are kind of their most questionable spot because their left tackle, side Glass, is a first-year starter as a sophomore, true sophomore. Um, So I think that's where there could be some issues going up against Washington's athleticism. Um, But Glass did play really well in the last game against USC.
0: If you're Washington's defensive coordinator, what are you trying to take away? What are you attacking on that Arizona State offense?
1: Yeah, I think you want to try to make them one-dimensional. It's a good idea to kind of probably load up the box. and, And, you know, not really allow them to get established in their run game on early downs. And then uh, once you've done that, uh, you know, then ASU is going to be forced to kind of be in drop back mode. And when, when they have to drop back, they've been susceptible to a lot of pressures that have gotten to Emory Jones. So I think that's kind of your recipe. This is a team where uh, it's, it's very reasonable to play man coverage and make them try to beat you over the top because they really haven't been able to do that with Emory Jones not connecting on enough deep shots.
0: Third and four, third and five, how comfortable are you with Arizona State in that, in that position? you optimistic or are you going, oh, crap?
1: Well, um, actually, uh, at this point, I think that they're pretty decent. Um, earlier in the season, I think that was a problem as they were sort of figuring it out. But now I would say they're at least an average uh, third and medium type of a team.
0: On the defensive side of the ball, looks like you got guys up front again. He always seem to have those guys up front down at Arizona State.
1: Yeah, so Nesta Jade Silvera is a transfer from Miami. He's a very athletic uh, nose tackle who can also play some three technique. Um, he, he makes a lot of flash plays, but then he also has some assignment issues. Um, Omar Norman Lots missed the last couple games uh, with an injury. He's a three technique tackle. That's been a, an issue for them because he's their most dynamic interior player. At ends, they have uh, Anthony Cooper, Travez Moore, and Joe Moore, a trio of players. Uh, Cooper's uh, sort of more of a base down, better against the run type of a guy, whereas Travez Moore and Joe Moore, they can kind of half man you and, and, and work their way in, into the, the the target zone and get after the quarterback a little bit. They haven't gotten nearly as much pressure as I would have kind of expected, though, uh, early on this season. I think part of that is the teams that they've played and have gotten the ball out quickly, and they've been in situations that have been advantageous. And, um, but I think that they're starting to dial up more pressures, especially in the second half against USC. So I think that especially against Washington's offense and that uh, big play capability, Um, they they may try to do that even more.
0: With the passing attack that Washington's going to bring, you know, the defensive ends and the pass pressure up until, uh, you know, four games into the season, Michael Panix had yet to be sacked. And, you know, UCLA got to him a couple of times. But, uh, you know, tell me what you would be expecting from the pass game from Washington. How is that secondary? And is that a place that you would attack?
1: Right. So ASU's played a lot of cover three and then some cover four, more zone coverage than I had kind of anticipated and not as much blitzing as I kind of had anticipated. Um, they're they're slowly evolving. I think Sean Aguano, the interim head coach, wants to be a little more aggressive on both sides of the ball. So that's I think that's a, an evolution in progress. Um, they, they haven't really given up a lot of plays over the top because they played so much relaxed coverage. The tendency really has been to give up too many completions in front of guys, including on third downs, and they've been really bad on third downs. Um, especially when they play zone coverages, where they haven't been able to get to the quarterback and an accurate thrower against uh, and someone some team that's well schemed has caused them a lot of problems. So that's where I think being a little more aggressive, you know, accepting more man coverages. It's probably the trajectory that we're going to see moving forward.
0: So those short-to-intermediate zones would be the place that Washington would attack on that defense?
1: 100%. Um, to Marcus Davis is a six-year senior quarterback. He's really struggled. This year he had a knee injury that kept him out for the entirety of camp. Uh, Roe Torrance is an Auburn transfer on the other side. He's huge, 6'3", 210 pounds, but he's been a little bit too soft in coverage. I think actually Isaiah Johnson – who's a redshirt freshman, might be their best corner, but he's had some uh, just like inability to kind of stay in a good place with the coaching staff with some discipline and other issues. And that's probably hurt them. And then their safeties, um, they're better, I think, against the run than they are from a coverage standpoint. They've played quite a bit of nickel. I think in this game you'll see a lot of nickel. Jordan Clark um, as an improved player who plays between safety and nickel and Corey Bethley is a Hawaii transfer, who I think is also doing a good job. He tends to be around the football quite a bit.
0: Last player of the game, 42 yard field goal lining up down by two to win the game. How comfortable are you?
1: Well, Carter Brown is a freshman kicker who's exceeded my expectations. I thought in camp, he actually might've lost the job to Jace Feely uh, the son of Jay Feely, the former NFL kicker, but they they gave it to Brown. Then he come, then he came out and he made four field goals in his very first game was uh Pac-12 special teams player of the week. And uh since then he's been pretty reliable. I think he missed only one or two field goals this season, and they were longer field goals. So from 42 yards, especially at home, I think he's gonna have a hit rate of about 80 percent.
0: Grass has been a big subject up here at Washington. Washington does not have a grass practice field. Arizona State, of course, is a grass team, and so was UCLA last week in the Rose Bowl. From your experience in covering the team and guys coming in, is it that big of a deal, do you think, or is it more of a mental thing?
1: Uh, Probably more mental, but I I do think that when ASU goes to play on uh, artificial surfaces, it's, they don't, they don't do quite as well for whatever reason. And I don't really know maybe why that is. Of course, being on the road in hostile environments, probably part of it. And it's hard to sort of understand where that line is between that and the playing surface. But the grass at ASU has always been fast and very player friendly. It tends to lend itself toward games that are a little more athletic based. There's probably more missed tackles. Um, because of just like how, how good that guys can cut and move on the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, there's obviously more of a comfort factor for teams that play on grass, you know, with their footing and cleats and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's, it's, a it's actually, you know, probably a small thing, but not a, not a totally insignificant thing.
0: It always seems to me like the grass there is a little bit different than what I'm used to seeing. They always seem to keep it pretty short. They don't let it grow a little long. They don't yeah. water it beforehand, but it, uh, it it always seems pretty pretty tight down there. Well, it's a fast track. Yeah,
1: fast track. I mean, they, the, uh, when when the Arizona Cardinals used to play at Sun Devil Stadium, the the players regularly voted the grass the surface as one of the best, if not the best, in even the NFL. And it's not crowned. It's very tight grass that has a, a very solid, um, support of it. And so guys just love playing on, on that surface from a speed standpoint.
0: What are we expecting? Uh, crowd wise.
1: So ASU is really in a bad place right now with its fans. Um, actually, uh, the, the ASU lost to Utah two weeks ago was the lowest announced attendance this century at ASU Uh, and I I feel like it's you know the weather's not going to be like really hot but it's still going to be warm for an afternoon kick probably somewhere around 90 degrees and I just think that given the one in four start and the way people kind of feel about the program right now there's going to be a lot of excuses to not show up and you're going to see about as sparse a crowd as you ever would for a day game at ASU.
0: Husky bench, is that uh, with the sun beating on them or they get a little bit of the shade?
1: Well, yeah, so the sun, it, it sort of moves a little bit perpendicular to the field. So they're, they are on, you know, they're going to get the, the sun on their side more than ASU for sure. But I also don't think that it's going to be too bad. Um, second half will be a little bit worse than the first half.
0: I'll be on the sidelines on the Washington side. I'll bring sunscreen. How's that?
1: Good idea. I think that's always smart. All
0: right. Anything else we need to know about ASU, Chris?
1: Well, they, they changed their uh, kick return situation. Everybody kind of expected DJ Taylor would be one of the best in the conference, but that didn't materialize. But Daniel and Gata and Javen Jacobs have each had really good returns in the last uh, week or two. And um, ASU has been able to get into some good starting positions. So, Washington's going to need to make sure to button that up to, to make ASU go full field drives.
0: Well, Washington, the last time Washington won at Arizona State, the Mariners were in the playoffs 20 years wow. ago. 20 years ago. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's been a yeah. while.
1: It's, you know what? Like, it's when ASU is good or at least pretty good, it's kind of a difficult place to play because of the heat, you know, the atmosphere, the travel. Um, you know, it's just that ASU is, is ASU's reasonably talented for a 1-in-4 team, but the coaching hasn't been very good. And also, I think the discipline has been a problem, coupled with uh, them not maybe having sort of the intestinal fortitude that you really need to have against extremely good teams. So, But when I look at the line this week, whatever it is now, 13-and-a-half or something, I think that's too much. Uh, and I've been, I've been wrong on a lot of lines this year with ASU, and it's hard to sort of peg what, what team is going to come out. But it was an improved ASU team that's trending in a better direction despite the record. I don't think I'm going to pick ASU to win this week, but I do expect that there's a good chance with ASU's offense trending in the way that it has been that we could see you know, quite a few points and maybe a little bit closer game than than some people would would expect.
0: Chris, I appreciate you jumping on with us. For those who want to uh, check out more about what's going on down at ASU, uh, Sun Devil Source on the 24-7, excuse me, (laughs) Sun Devil Source on the uh, 24-7 network. Uh, Again, Chris, thanks for jumping on. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Are you going to be up in the press box?
1: You know it. um, I'm definitely going to try to find you, though, whether you're on the sideline or – or up there at all. We'll definitely look forward to catching up.
0: Why would I come up in the press box? It's enclosed and it's air conditioned with food. Why would I come up there?
1: Yeah, that's probably, probably at least going to be uh, a good pit stop for you. <laughs> all
0: right, Chris, thanks again.
1: All right, Kim. <laughs>